Hi, I'm Tom Mullaney, and welcome to the very first episode of No Red Pen, an EdTech podcast. In this episode, we will explore who I am, why you would listen to this podcast, where the name comes from, and we'll do two other segments. My plan for this podcast is probably weekly, probably three segments about educational technology. And that's the hope is that you use this podcast to make the most of technology in your classroom. So a little background about me. My name is Tom. I was a special education teacher and then a middle and high school uh, social studies teacher. And now I live in Hillsboro, North Carolina, and I work with teachers across the country because of the pandemic exclusively through video and computers. But I work with them on professional development and meaningfully incorporating technology into their practice in their classroom. And I will say, you know, I reached a point in my career where teaching was, it's a really difficult profession. It's obviously extremely difficult in a pandemic, but I was kind of burned out. I was kind of questioning things. Was I going to stay into it? And the big thing that changed my trajectory was when my principal said, Tom, next year you're teaching 8th, 9th, and 10th grade students. So the dreaded three preps, we were block scheduling in high school. But the 8th and 9th graders will have Chromebook one-to-one pilot. And that just lit the fire. And I just dove in. And it's been such a great thing uh, since. And I'm, I really want to share that with other teachers. Now let's talk about the name, No Red Pen. What's that about? So think back... I, you, if you're a teacher and you're listening to this, you may have read this book. It's called The First Days of School by Harry and Rosemary Wong. Yeah. When I was getting into teaching in the year 2003, this was a must, right? Everybody read it in their teacher prep programs. And one of the rules that they lay out in that book for teachers, and it was, it was hard and fast. There was no negotiation about it. There was no, hey, here's a suggestion about it was never grade with a red pen. And, you know, today we are very trauma-informed. We are conscious about the things that school does to kids. And I don't remember anything like that in 2003 that was taking into account children's feelings and what school does to children. And so that rule really stuck with me, no red pen. And as I think about technology now, now we don't need the red pen. Now, in theory, you could use the Google Classroom mobile app to give students written feedback on their digital work. And there is a red color option in there. But don't do that. So no red pen. That's going to be the title. It's an ed tech podcast. So welcome. I hope this helps you make the most of use of technology in your classroom. And now on to our next segment. So if you're someone like me, you love technology, you use it in your classroom or you're trying to, and you may have used an app called Google Expeditions, right? Google Expeditions is this amazing app where you take students on 360 journeys throughout the world and oh my goodness, it's really nice, it's a lot of fun. Well, guess what? Google Expeditions is going away at the end of June. So let's talk about this. Let's unpack this and talk about why there's some really positive about this and there's some real negative about this too. Now, let me first kind of bring you into my journey with Expeditions a little bit. So in 2015, I was an ed tech coach at a middle school. And excuse me, 2016. 
and I was at a demonstration of Google Expeditions, and the person leading the demonstration just casually, just offhandedly mentioned, oh yeah, they work in iPad, you know, and iPads is kind of a window into the 360 scene. And that got me thinking, because we, as a middle school, had a, you know, flock of, uh, flock is not the right word, but you get my point. There were eight iPads in our media center, and I said, self, that's perfect. We don't need the kit. We'll just use that. And let me tell you, using the eight iPads, and I did this for years, just use the iPads that were connected to our school's Wi-Fi, no separate router, and the eight was great. And I'll tell you why, because I can't imagine leading a Google expedition for 30 students and the technology issues and the this and the that. What I would do as an ed tech coach is I would pull groups of about five students out into the hallway or another you know, empty nearby classroom, and I would lead them on the expedition. And so everybody got to do the expedition, but they did it in small groups. I could set my expectations. It was great. It, was, it worked out really, really nicely. And so whenever I talked to anyone, I said, oh, hey, do you have iPads? If the answer was yes, hey, you have to look at Google Expeditions. It is so good. Now, I wound up at a high school that had the kit, and this high school had no iPads. And so, you know, talking to other ed tech coaches in the district, they talked to me about, oh, yeah, I led a PD on Google Expeditions. I showed the teachers how to use it. And then I asked, oh, did they use it? No. So I come into this saying, look, something like Google Expeditions, teachers need more than just training they need someone to really just execute it for them because can you imagine being a classroom teacher and you're all right now i'm gonna hook up this stuff now i'm gonna lead you know as i as i like to say do it in small groups so yeah that was going to be really hard so i said about i let the faculty know you want me to lead a google expedition i'm there schedule me let's go and I said, you know, I think this is a little difficult for teachers to do, but I never really understood just how involved leading Google Expeditions using the kits was. So let me just walk you through my workflow. So I'd have to wheel the kit to the classroom. I'd have to unpack the kit. I'd then plug in the router. I'd connect devices and uh, the device leading the expedition to the router. So you have to get those all connected one by one. I would plug in the devices into the chargers and outlets. And we had these like plastic goggles, the viewfinder that the kids would wrap around their head, right? And you can't charge the device when they're in that. So between periods, it's very, very tricky because expeditions would take these small little devices and really drain their batteries. But to charge them, and I'd have to unpack them. Now, if I'm using this with an iPad, one, it didn't take much battery out of the iPads at all in my experience. But even if it did, okay, we, this is the teacher's planning period. Just char plug them right in. I mean, the kid could use, you know, view the, the expedition on the charger. So anyway, I'd also have to have my devices ready as, uh, as backups. So I, you know, maybe I have six devices that I'm running, but I have two as backups. Charge my devices during any, you know, breaks. When I'm finished, I got to unplug, I got to power down, I have to repack the kit, wheel it back to our media center. Oh, and by the way, if that teacher has a first period class, now I have to get to school 
way in advance. And so if you ask any Googler, why are they shutting down Google Expeditions? Why would they do that? It's usage. It just wasn't used enough, right? Any product, any app that Google has, they're not going to maintain or update if people aren't using it. And to me, the idea that people weren't using Google Expeditions seemed completely outlandish. How could that be? It's the most amazing thing on iPads. Well, that's not how they were marketed. They were marketed as use this kit and the kit was way too overwhelming, way too much work. Someone who loves this stuff was getting tired of doing it. If Google Expeditions had been presented as this is your iPad app, you know, have fun with iPads, I think Google Expeditions would have taken off. I think it would have been huge. Now, what's happening to Google Expeditions? So on the positive side, the expeditions themselves are actually moving to a Google website, Google Arts and Culture. So to me, that is wonderful news. And this is how Google kind of packaged it and spun it in the press release and in, in, in you know their blog post where they talked about this. Hey, this is going to be open on the web now. And that is absolutely true. Kids don't need a mobile device, they don't need an app. It will they, these expeditions, and they say most. And so I, I tend to think that most means that if a teacher, you know, if any teachers were using it regularly, that those expeditions will make it. A lot of the expeditions were career and college tours. I don't know if those will make it to Google Expeditions. It's truly an unknown at this point. But having these expeditions at the Google Arts and Culture website will be a good thing. One caveat. The caveat is this, is that Google Expedition, or excuse me, Google Arts and Culture, if you've been to that website, it's a little disorganized. Uh, for instance, did you know that at Google Arts and Culture, there are downloadable PDF lesson plans you can use in, with your students tomorrow? And you might be saying, what? How? Wait. This is how you get to them. You click on the veggie burger menu in the upper left. Then you click on themes. Why themes? I have no earthly idea. Then you click on learn with arts and with Google arts and culture. And there you get your PDF lesson plans. It's pretty cool. I suggest you take a look at it, but think about CS first or applied digital skills. Now those are targeted at teachers. Google arts and culture is a bigger project than that, uh, than just, you know, lesson plans, but Ooh, Google CS first and applied digital skills are immaculately organized. Te you know, they're great. I no problem recommending them to teachers because they are so well organized. Google Arts and Culture just isn't there yet with organization. I hope they do. So that's my one little kind of caveat. Will they be Will these expeditions be searchable? Will they be easy to find? I hope that they revamp the information architecture in arts and culture to make it that way. Now, I have heard teachers say, well, I can't lead my kids on a lesson in arts and culture. And that will be true. There's not going to be a leader and all that. Here's what I'm going to say to you about that. I want you to think long and hard. Do you have to lead your kids? I mean, think about all the digital content you give your kids as it is now. Do you lead them through videos? Do you lead them through written text? Now, sometimes you do because you know, with videos, you might use Edpuzzle or with, with written text, you might have, you know, shared reading or something like that. But you can do the same with arts and culture. Now, I'm thinking all the 
narration will make it to arts and culture. You know all that narration that you read that your kids could either hear or not hear. They didn't have that text up in front of them when you did an expedition. Well, now that can be available to them. Hopefully, I, I would imagine it will be with arts and culture. That's something we'll find out in June when they make the switch. But the idea that you have to lead students through these expeditions, which are basically just 360 images, you don't. You can make a scavenger hunt. You can make an activity. You can ask questions as students view them. And again, students don't need you. They don't need the Expeditions app. They can do it in front of you in class. They can do it at home. They can do it wherever, as long as they have a device with a web browser. So to me, moving it to Google Arts and Culture is actually a win with the caveat of I hope it is more organized so the teachers have a more user-friendly experience in arts and culture. Now, there is one negative that I'm really upset about, and that's Tour Creator. So Google Tour Creator was that website where students and teachers could make their own Google Expeditions. It's fantastic. I loved it. And apparently the usage just wasn't there. People weren't using it. They weren't creating uh, in Tour Creator. I know I was, but unfortunately, it was not widespread or popular enough for Google to maintain it. I am not seeing, you know, people are suggesting use this for that. It, here's what I'm saying. I don't see anything yet that says for free, you can take all of Google Street View and make tours out of it. If I find, come across something like that, I will share it with you ASAP because that is a real win that, well, that Google Arts and Culture, excuse me, Google Tour Creator, a lot of websites to keep track of gave teachers that is now going away, sad to say. So Google Google Expeditions, it's coming to arts and culture. What will it be like? As a teacher, I would tell you, I think there's, it's a very hopeful thing. I think that this could wind up being great and make Google Expeditions and all that 360 digital content easier for teachers to use and easier for students to access. All right, one last segment on our inaugural episode. And in this one, I just have to talk about Google Docs. Uh, Google Docs is a word processing software or website, really. I guess there's a mobile app, too, from Google. But it's basically replaced Microsoft Word for our young people. And how do I know that? Well, someone from Harvard had a tweet the other day about it on May 6th, and it got a people talking and some roasting took place. Let me walk you through this. So the tweet is from at Jake Ainbinder, Ainbinder uh, who as best I can tell is a Harvard graduate student who probably works as a TA with Harvard undergrads. And his tweet is something interesting I've noticed teaching is Gen Z does not use Microsoft Word, period. When you ask them to submit .doc files, they're all converting them from Google Docs or Pages. Now, the thing that sticks out to most people when they see that tweet is the Microsoft Word extension the author chose, .doc. .doc hasn't been the standard in Microsoft Word for more than a decade now. .docx, D-O-C-X, has been the standard for a long time. So, you know, the roasting kind of started a little bit. And, you know, people said, hey, Google Docs is better. Okay. Uh, let me talk to you about some of the responses that I saw. So, uh, one, uh, Harriet Hoff said, I think... A big challenge for many professors is not being facile with Google Docs, but experts in Word after decades of use. I'm working on it because I recognize the value for collaboration and not having files labeled final, 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 
no, really, it's final for every manuscript. And I think Harriet nailed that. That was such a frustrating part of life prior to Google Docs, right? Google Docs, oh my goodness, it, it eliminated all of that. It has a great version history, so you can always revert if you need to or make a copy of an old version. So that is just wonderful. Uh, someone, Seaguard14, uh, said, Google won the shareability wars. I can send Google Docs link to a friend and they can open it on any device immediately with no need for specific software. That's what matters to gen, uh, millennials and Gen Z, not whether we can do fancy formatting. Could not agree more. And that's a big part of it. Uh, Ward Q Normal or Dr. Ward Q Normal. I love these Twitter handles. I'm just myself at Tommy Mullaney on my Twitter. But it's amazing how something that is free, easy to use, and allows for seamless collaboration with literally anyone might quickly become the preferred choice of students. And I could not agree more. Now, I had a reply to one of my, I retweeted this, um, and Will Dayimport, uh, Dr. Will Dayimport, uh, said Office 365 does the same thing, which is true. That is very true. At the same time, let's be honest, Google was there first. Uh, I mean, Google's been doing this for more than a decade now uh, and this the sharing in google is ooh, it's so nice uh, and then uh, jeff barger at nc teacher stuff replied to me and said old educators like google docs too word is clunky and i'll be honest the reason i went from microsoft to google years ago was i was having students make a powerpoint presentation and it was their choice if they wanted to do uh, PowerPoint or Google Docs or Google Slides, excuse me. And I noticed that when students loaded their presentation to present to the class on my work-issued Windows device, this is before Windows 10, so Windows was worse back before 10, but the PowerPoint ones would take a long time to load and they would crash my device sometimes. And the kids with Google Slides, it opened a new tab in, in the Chrome browser and everything worked fine. And that made me, that summer, everything was converted from whatever the Microsoft format was to Docs, Slides, whatever it may be. So anyway, please tweet me at Tommy Mullaney with your thoughts. Microsoft, Google, you know where I'm at. But anyway, well, that's episode one. Thank you so much for joining me on No Red Pen. I am going to put the show notes and any relevant information at tommelaney.com slash podcast. That Tom Mulaney is spelled with two L's. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to continuing the conversation next week.